Welcome back to Women in Product Marketing. This is season three. I'm thrilled to be back with another all-star crew of women leaders. This season, we cover an array of important topics for women PMMs, including how to build and manage teams, how to get in the door with product marketing as a career track, and what's next after product marketing. I just wanna say thank you so much to the Women in Product Marketing community for all of the wonderful support. We really couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for your support. I am so pumped to kick off this season with my colleague, Catherine Gregorio, the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Adobe Creative Cloud. In this episode, we discuss how Catherine became an expert at starting and building product marketing teams. This is a skill that she has honed over time. And you won't want to miss her invaluable advice about how she encourages a learn-it-all versus a know-it-all attitude. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan, and today I am so excited to bring to you Catherine Gregorio, the Senior Director of Product Marketing for Adobe's Creative Cloud. Catherine previously hails from Figma, Radius, and the Climate Corporation and holds an MBA from Booth. She's also the author of a nonfiction book that's coming out called The Double Life of Catherine Clark. So excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start off with asking you kind of a personal question, you could take it personally or professionally, but what is something that you're extremely proud of in your life? That's such a great question. In fact, it's the lead question I ask in every interview. I read somewhere that is actually the best question that you should ask. So great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's so many things both personally and professionally, but for me, a lot of it comes back to the people and in particular, the teams that I've worked with my period in tech, I've had several of them follow me from startup to startup. I've had invitations to their weddings. I've seen them go through so many different life evolutions in their own career. And I'm really proud that I've served on a lot of their referrals. And so just seeing how everybody who's worked with me over the years has just really developed um, and come into their own and really just reach their potential has been something that's just been super rewarding and something I'm very proud of. That's so amazing. I kind of got the chills when you were saying that too. So <laughs> it is all about the people. I mean, it ma- what makes everything we do worthwhile. So glad you're proud of that. And I'd love to hear more about your role. We work tangentially together at Adobe, but not super closely. And I also understand you just got a promotion. So congratulations on that, but would love to hear about what you do, kind of the ins and outs of it and what gets you excited about coming to work every day. Thanks for asking, Mary. Yes, I did just get a promotion. My team is really in charge of the horizontal creative cloud story that we tell to the market. And it starts with the strategy, who it is we're going after, what our products deliver, as well as some of the non-app products. Creative cloud consists of 20 plus apps. And then we have a vibrant global community. And then as part of that, my team oversees a footprint of about $2 billion in annual revenue. And it's been really interesting for me, as you mentioned, I just got a promotion. I came into Adobe really looking at the experience design space, Adobe XD as a product and expanding my remit to look across all of our different categories across imaging, design, 
and video and learning more about how creatives really just take their work to the next level and use our tools in order to do that. It's just really been inspiring and exciting to take on that new job. You mentioned that product marketing at Adobe is kind of like being the GM of your business. Can you expand on that a little bit in terms of what your oversight is or what you entail that might be different than at other jobs you've had in the past? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think there's maybe three different flavors of product marketing and I've seen them all. One is you're almost a glorified salesperson, especially in B2B, you do a lot of sales enablement. You're really just trying to help drive the number through the sales team. The second one is almost as an interlocutor between product and your go-to-market channel, really kind of just leaning into the marketing aspect focusing more on launches, maybe not necessarily on driving the bottom line. And what really appealed to me about the Adobe setup is you own the number, you own setting the strategy, you influence and work with other teams. And there's certainly a huge partnership across the board, setting the KPIs, setting the strategy, and then holding weekly daily meetings as needed to make sure that everything is on track. And so for me, all of it goes back to first principles. What's the goal? Who is it for? And then it's really exciting to see all of that come to life and ultimately exceed your goals, hopefully, if your team has come together in a way that enables that. I love the description of that. I've always thought about it as trying to uncover where the power lies at a company, if that makes sense. So at a company like Google, it's really engineering heavy at a company like Salesforce, the sellers tend to have the power. And so the product marketers kind of orient themselves around where that power center is and go from there. But I love the thought of probably depending on where the power power dynamics are, that's where the product marketer can really add a lot of value. And yes, I agree at Adobe, you get a lot of responsibility as a product marketer. So that's really cool to see you've had that experience as well. Yeah. Would you say that there's a way when you're going into a new company, how would you understand which of the three flavors you're going to get as a product marketer, since it's probably not listed directly in the job description? No, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest signal is what the go-to-market motion is. And so if primarily you're going into a company that's B2B, it's most likely that your product marketing role will be primarily to support sales and the teams that support sales. And there's a lot to learn there. And there's a lot of people who love that motion. Once you think about it more of a diverse approach. So at Adobe, we have a direct to consumer business. We have a channel business and we have B2B and different teams work on different pieces. And so it's just exploring where in the organization that you're going to come in. That's another element. And if you're working at more of a pure B2C company, I think it really does kind of entail, you know, it could be that the the center of power is with the design org. It could be that it's with the engineering org. Could be that it's with the product org. It kind of depends on what those footprints look like, where the company is on their trajectory. Is it series A? Is it a public company? And then how specialized the product marketing organization has become. And there's value in getting exposure to all different types because it took me doing all the different models of product marketing to realize that for me, the general manager mindset was really what resonated. I wanted to be held accountable through a revenue number more explicitly than enabling the sales team, which is also held accountable to a revenue number. 
Thank you. That's so helpful. I think going into product marketing jobs, you often assume that you're going to be quote unquote full stack, which we talk about a lot, but sometimes you're all of a sudden in a position where you are more sales enablement or you are more launch or you are more sort of the GM. So it's nice to hear some of the things to look for to unpack what you're interested in for those that are seeking sort of their next role and next opportunity. So thank you for sharing that. I also hear that you are really passionate about inbound product marketing. I want to hear more about that. It's funny. I was just on my team meeting and we were talking a lot about that. A lot of this comes from my time working at three different startups and seeing patterns emerge, even though the customer was different, the product was different and the go-to-market motion was different. It really all does come back to the user. And the more that you can partner with the product team and understand what they have on their roadmap and help them do research to understand the underlying problems that the user has and, you know, be a partner with them as they and the design team are doing the user testing, it makes the role of a product marketer easier, for lack of a better word. I have quotation marks around that kind of downstream because you know already what the problem is that you're solving. You know already, you've heard how the user has talked about their problem and the solutions that you're looking for. And you're able to work with the product team and help them build something that's better or faster or easier. And then the rest of it works. It doesn't mean that the product marketer's role goes away. It just helps everybody be more aligned and focused around what is really going to move the needle. Got it. And tactically, what are some of the best channels that you've used for inbound product marketing to actually reach those customers? Yeah, it does go back to the difference in how you go to market. When I was in a B2B role, I actually had a lot of value coming from the sales team because they're front and center with the customer every day and listened in to all their different calls on customers from first call to right before close. Also participated in win-loss analysis between the sales team, the customer success team, and the product team. And the CRM is a great source, just the notes from the calls, just digging in and again, looking for those patterns. The other source that's very helpful with B2B is analysts, as they're talking to a lot of their clients on a number of topics daily. They can really, through inquiries, help you shape and hear trends that they're seeing in the market. For B2C, it's slightly different. There's more of a direct conversation with your users, and a lot of it depends on where they spend their time. You can look at Medium articles, you can look at social commentary, and just getting out there and going to community meetups can also be really helpful as well. So a lot of it just comes back to where your users are finding out their own information and sharing information with others. That's great. And all of those plus one to everything you mentioned, especially win loss and analysts on the B2B side, which I have a lot of experience with. I feel like those are just such great ways to learn about what the patterns, as you mentioned, the challenges are, and then to create the content that can directly meet the challenge and need that they're facing. So whether it's a buyer's guide or, hey, here's your guide to the cookie-less future or whatever trend is kind of a hot topic that helps to create sort of that virtuous circle of what are they saying they need and are having problems with? What can you put out in the market to then make them come inbound and talk to you about it more? And you have really illustrated nicely how that helps with the kind of downstream process. Once you get them in the door, you already know what their challenges are. You've really met them eye to eye. They see you as an expert 
and they see you as a trusted partner already. So I love that approach. And that's the really great way to think about it for both B2B and B2C. I wanted to move and switch gears a little bit and talk about one of your superpowers, which is starting and building PMM teams. So how would you say you get good at that? How did that become your superpower? So the real answer is I got dropped in the deep end and I had to figure it out. And I think that that is really true about everything that I've learned about product marketing. A funny story, when I first started in product marketing, I have a super non-traditional background to tech. And I didn't even know what my title was going to be at my first job. I just heard startup and we need to launch something new and we want you to come do that and pivot the company. And it was just really exciting. And so I think over time, I've just honed my own point of view on what product marketing is. Going back to first principles, going back to who the user is, understanding what the goal is and the motion. And that then informs the team that you need to build. And the stage of the company you're at determines the type of person that you hire. At an earlier stage company, you're really looking for an athlete that can flex and be nimble because things change a lot. And as I've evolved, gone to bigger companies, that's when you start to get people who are more specialized in certain domains and just get them really thinking about executing on a piece. But you want to make sure that you're still getting the full picture of what product marketing is with all of those specialists come together. So it's a little bit art. It's a little bit, you know, evolution. And a lot of it's just been, I've seen a lot and done a lot and learned a lot along the way. That's great. I feel like product marketing is such a hot commodity right now. And a lot of companies that don't have product marketing yet are kind of wising up to, oh my gosh, we have to get product marketing in the door. So I'm getting a lot of questions actually myself about how do we hire the first product marketer from CEOs and founders? And I feel like there's this, you laid it out in a nice way of, you know, if it's really early stage, you might want an all around athlete. And then there's the other perspective of hire a really senior leader that can see that full picture and hire the right team that you need to get it done. So I try to lay out both perspectives and say, you could get someone really scrappy to get the launches done and get everything you need. And then kind of build from there organically or hire that leader and then they can build from underneath it. But if you were starting from square one at say a series A company that doesn't have any product marketing at all, what would you recommend? I love that question. I also get that question a lot. It's one of my favorite questions to talk about because it's one of those classic economic answers. It depends. It depends Mm -hmm. on your product. It depends on the context. At a series A company, you need somebody who's had a little bit of experience, but I would argue not even necessarily in product marketing. You need somebody who really has left brain, right brain mix. They are curious. They are empathetic. They are willing to roll up their sleeves and do whatever needs to get done. Because when you're that size, that person has to write the website copy. They have to write the email copy. They may have to even send the email through the marketing automation. And a lot of it is just learned on the job. Once you get a couple rounds beyond, you might have somebody who is in demand gen, who's in charge of sending those email campaigns out. But in the beginning, you want to just make sure that you have someone who's hungry, curious, and has the aptitude to learn as you go, because the company's going to change. Even how you go to market might change. You might not even have product market fit at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard this cute saying from HubSpot the other day that they look for 
learn it alls instead of know it alls. And I feel like that's so important at that stage to just be hungry and curious. And hey, maybe you've never written email copy before, but you can Google it and take a webinar and probably learn how to write it, you know, decently enough to send out to that first group of customers if that's what you're really needing. So yeah, getting your hands dirty, I think is, is really important. In general, I know that this would also depend on the company size and product and all that, but are there certain traits for product marketing that you tend to look at when you're hiring and building those teams? Of course there are. I think in looking at the traits, I do have a set that can't be taught that just you have to look for. And so a couple of those are, is somebody curious? Are they asking questions? Do they think from a customer first mindset? Can I see that they think from a first principle mindset? So that's one thing that I definitely look out for. The second one is just being empathetic and not just empathetic to the customer, but empathetic in working through all of the different cross-functional relationships that product marketing just lives and breathes every day. We do a lot of influencing without authority, and that doesn't happen with people who are domineering or authoritative. It happens through people who partner and really invest in relationships. And so that's really important. And I've learned over the years that it can't be taught. And then I think the third element is depending again on what the product first principles are, you might not need the full mix and you might need somebody who's more of a right brain or left brain, but a lot of marketing is pretty data-driven these days, but you also need to be able to write and to write in a very human way. And that mix is really hard. I think pieces of that can be taught. Certainly someone could go take data analytics classes or they could go take writing classes, but making sure that the core foundation is there is really important. And then for the things that can be taught, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have somebody who has domain knowledge. Sometimes that's a hindrance because they might come in with biases. So looking at what it is that you would really want to complement your team with, or, you know, each of us as leaders have our certain superpowers and maybe some of the things that we have as opportunity areas. And so looking for people who complement the overall team is really important. And then I mentioned this with the empathy, but just the way that the product team and the other partner teams view that person and engage with that person you can get a really good sense of that through the interview process. And if there's somebody who is not supportive of somebody through the interview process, it's likely that that's not going to work out. And so just being really open to other people's feedback and seeing things that maybe they didn't see that I didn't see in the interview and having that come to bear in the debrief discussions. All such good points. And I'm always so skeptical just to double click on this part for a moment of hiring managers that really just want the domain knowledge. And it's the skill set that people can bring to the table and complement what you're trying to do is so much more important than understanding this really small category at a startup that is brand new. How are you going to find the perfect unicorn that has the skill set and the domain knowledge for this? I think that's something you can onboard and learn. Go on some sales calls, read a book, go yep. to some webinars. I don't know, maybe I'm over-indexing, but I've, I've seen that happen a lot where they're really looking for the domain expertise. And that's just, I don't think the most important part of the equation. I a hundred percent agree. I think it is a very much double-edged sword and the domain knowledge can be a blinder as much as it can be a benefit. Yeah. Such a good point. Well, now I want to actually talk about your book. 
I'm so impressed. We've talked about your book a bit, just offline, not on the podcast, but I'd love for you to share with our audience what it's all about and what inspired you to write it. So I joke that my book is my own little startup. I can't code, I can't design, but I can write. I have literally been working on this book for the better part of almost two decades, really kind of writing it and thinking about it for the last 10 years. And it's about my great aunt, who was a correspondent behind the Iron Curtain during the 1950s. And she smuggled out papers from a pretty high ranking communist dissident and brought it to life through the press coverage that she was able to give to the man and his ideas, as well as by helping shepherd two of his books into publication. One of them is perceived as kind of the leading anti-communist manifesto in its time, sold 3 million copies, was translated into 60 different languages. And it was just a fascinating story just to really uncover. She wrote herself out of history, actually. She didn't want the story to be associated with her at all in her lifetime. And through my uncle and her papers that they kept, I was able to go back and recreate that period of time. And I was a history major. It was just fascinating to immerse myself in the primary documents and to think about the story. So awesome. And you're her namesake, right? I am. Oh I am. my gosh. What we're, a cool. we're both Catherine Lees. So wow. that also really helped a lot. And I have some memories of her as well as some keepsakes and letters that she wrote me. And so it very much is a personal journey as well as Quite frankly, I mean, I joke, I waited until I had my second child to start writing the book with nonfiction, as you saw in Proposal. So it's putting together the proposal and then putting together the manuscript. And I just couldn't get the story out of my head. You know, I was up late with my daughter and I was thinking about the story. I almost wrote half the book in my head because I couldn't get to the computer. And so it was just a really great personal exercise of growth and development. Thank you for sharing that you've been thinking about it and really working on it for almost two decades. And that it's not just your COVID project that you whipped up in the past nine months. It gives all of us something to aspire to that sometimes projects like this really do take a lot of heart and soul and many years, if not decades. I'm so, so impressed and excited for you. Did you see any parallels to the process to product marketing? There's this great book by Sidney Lumet called On Making Movies. And he was a famous director in the 40s and 50s. And he wrote a book about making movies. And while reading this book, I always thought, wow, this is like product marketer, you know, 101. You're kind of directing everything, bringing it all together. And I sort of am leading you into this, but I feel like writing a book and going through that whole process end to end has a lot of the skill set of product marketing. So did you find that at all? Or did you think it was totally different? What was your experience like? Oh, no, it's so meta. It was definitely I had absolutely clarifying moments where I realized the parallels with my job in tech and writing. Ultimately, our job is to be a storyteller, whether it's internally or externally and how we bring that to life and knowing our target audience. And so I mentioned the proposal with nonfiction, you have to be really clear about who your target audience is. I wrote, it's for women who watch the Americans and love his girl Friday, because I'm looking for women who are interested about communism, that period in the 1950s what it was like to live as well as journalism and being a a woman's in a man's world. 
And that definitely fed into how I told the story, the tone I used, the language, but also it was nonfiction. So it was all based in fact. And so it was a really interesting exercise to go through in writing the book, but I'm actually in the process of now thinking about how, what the marketing looks like and the pre-marketing, and that is hundred percent product marketing. The book is the product. It's how you think about the buzz that you want to build before launch and the amplification after launch. And it's really exciting. In fact, I have my first kickoff marketing meeting tomorrow. So exciting. So the double life of Catherine Clark, make sure to check it out. I'll certainly be promoting it too. Once it's out, do you have a launch date or a a season in mind yet? I do. It comes out March 15th, 2022 during women's history month. So slam dunk. Perfect. (laughs) They must love working with you too, or they're going to love working with you after they meet you tomorrow. I hope so. I know marketing. (laughs) Here we go. That's so great. Well, now I can't believe it. We're already at time for a rapid fire question. So just a few more, but I'd love to understand who have been your strongest PMM or in life, your mentors. So this is going to sound really cheesy, but my parents, when I was growing up, we used to talk about my parents' work at the dinner table. And my dad used to run campaign, political campaigns, and then became a serial entrepreneur. He always jokes with me. He doesn't understand how Silicon Valley actually works because he's never started a business that didn't make money from day one. And my mom, she's managed huge teams and rallied people through huge transformations within the government, which is a huge matrix bureaucracy. And just hearing their stories and learning how they showed up with ethics and integrity every day. It was a role model for me then. And they are my go-to for advice now. That's so awesome. I've heard that a lot on the show and I certainly feel the same way. I think having that at the dinner table every day, inspiring people that are working and changing the world is really important and foundational if, if you can get it. What is one thing that you would say has been the most important to growing your career overall? I think it's been change. It's been knowing when the role that I've been in has passed its time and it's time for me to go do something different, either through a different industry, a different vocation, a different type of go-to-market. Constantly learning is really important, especially in tech and product marketing. I mean, there's new tools coming out daily now, it seems, and keeping an open mind to changing the way that you do things. And I think part of the way that you do that is getting access to different environments and different products and different industries. That's amazing. Thank you. Networking, love it or hate it. Do you do it? You know, I do it, but I don't realize I do it. I read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, and I felt found when I read about The Connector. I just love people. (laughs) That's great. I know. It's like, I thought I was this weird person. I was like, oh, there's more people out there. I have brokered five marriages. I don't even know how many jobs I've found for people. And it's just because when I meet people, my mind instantly goes to, oh my God, you need to meet this person and this person and this person. And, you know, I just, I love it. I love understanding people, hearing what drives them and connecting them with people. Cause it's just really magical to me. During COVID, have you done anything different to network? Have you tried to reach out for virtual coffee dates? Has anything been successful for you or just reaching out to people, you know, in the past, how have you approached it in this climate we're in? 
So during COVID, I have to admit that I haven't been proactive with networking at all. A lot of my new networking has come through friends who are VCs or tapped into different networks, wanting me to connect with other people to talk about how they hire their first product marketer, for example. And then with my new promotion, setting up coffees with people, or they've set up coffees with me just to meet other people within Adobe and understand that. So I've actually done probably less networking during COVID, mostly because I'm on the screen all day and doing another thing just sounds draining, but it happens. It's just probably the volume's been less. Yeah, you have a lot going on too, so that's okay. (laughs) All right, two more questions. Why product marketing? Why have you dedicated your career to it? What do you love about it? It's a great question. I absolutely love that no day and no hour is the same. I love the macro and micro around product marketing. I love talking to customers and hearing about their problems and offering up solutions. I love using my right brain and my left brain. Like I love math, but I also love writing. And so to me, it's the dream job of just bringing that all together. And then as I've evolved and become more of a leader, helping a team develop and come together, it's just, I I feel very lucky and fortunate that I found this thing called product marketing and I get paid to do it because it's truly kind of my dream job. So great. And then final question for you, what's next? You have a lot going on your book launching. You just got a promotion. Everything's going great. You might not have thought about what's next, but anything on your horizon? So I think I'm a prime example of life is what happens when you're planning for other things. And with COVID, I've really tried to embrace the now. And so I'm really happy with where I am. I'm growing, I'm learning, and I'm just going to kind of let life happen the way it's going to pan out, but really happy where I am right now. That's such a wonderful perspective. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show today. We cannot wait for your book. So excited for you. Thanks so much. I think everyone learned a lot from the conversation we had. So just such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, HighSpot, and many more. With Clue, You'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue. That wraps another episode of Women in Product Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and share Women in Product Marketing with someone you think will love it. Next week, I speak with Kim Kaminsky, the Global VP of Marketing at Amplitude, on what it takes to become a vice president. Thanks again for all of your support and catch you next week.